and I don't know. Faith, growing up is hard, isn't it? It's even harder when Nicolas Cage is your dad. It's even harder when he's trying to kill you. Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very cagey co-host, Faith. Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Talking about movies is fun, isn't it, Faith? It's even more fun to talk about a movie with a friend. I'm going to go you one better. It's even more fun to talk about a Nicolas Cage movie with a friend. There usually aren't words to describe a Nicolas Cage movie. But we will endeavor to find them. Even if we have to make up new words just for the show. We'd like to welcome all of you to our little program. Be you spook, specter, ghost, goblin, or a deeply closeted Cage fan. Just give in to the love. It's good for you. Nicholas Kim Coppola, a.k.a. Nicholas Cage, a.k.a. Nick Cage, a.k.a. The Cage, has given us so much, hasn't he, Faith? He's given us everything. Tonight, he's given us a movie that's on the slab for a post-mortem. It's a film that signaled to audiences who were cruising red boxes outside of their local drugstore that his back taxes were paid, and he was back to trying again. What have we got tonight, Faith? From writer-director Brian Taylor, we have 2018's critically acclaimed film Mom and Dad, starring Nicholas Kim Coppola and Selma Blair. We've got teen angst, murder, and the thing that makes the whole world go round, cage rage. Brian Taylor is the auteur behind Crank and Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. The excellent supporting cast in Mom and Dad is rounded out by Ann Winters, Zachary Arthur, Robert T. Cunningham, and even features a cameo from Lance Henriksen, one of our favorites here on The Late Night Fright. Something we're, we're not sure what is making parents want to kill their kids. That's the long and short of it. Could it possibly be about something more? They'll have to tune in to find out. Tonight, we will be scoring Mom and Dad in two categories, overall film and the cage factor. Faith, what is the cage factor? It's that undefinable thing that Nicolas Cage brings to movies and life. In lieu of stars, we will be awarding Mom and Dad badass Trans Ams. There is a Trans Am in this movie. And it is badass. Makes sense. Know what else makes sense? taking a break for a word from our sponsors. I am Dan. I am Faith. We will see you on the other side. Seriously, just love the cage. It's good for you. It's 12.01, the witching hour. You're listening to WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. You are cleared for departure. Your destination, the late night fright. Commencing transmission in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Are you an athlete looking to enhance your athletic prowess? Look no further than Sports Suppositories, the revolutionary new sports enhancement suppository from Welsh Jennings. Just shove it up your butt and get ready to kick ass. 
Our patented formula includes the essential vitamins and minerals you need to enhance your sports performance 110% and also includes real bits of lion testicle to give you an added edge in the bedroom. Sports suppositories from Welsh Jennings. You'll be glad you did. Only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Here's Dan and Faith. All the dialogue is either whispered or screamed. Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! Out of my eyes! Everything in the movie is on fire. Am I getting through to you, Alpha? I said, put the bunny back in the box. Calm down, Nick. Let's do our self-esteem exercises where we pay each other compliments. We're going to have a three-way with the Declaration of Independence. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Well, there was the song, the official (laughs) music. It can only mean one thing, too. It's time to get into the cage. It is. Faith and I, uh, back in 2019, before the world ended, did uh, a round-robin tournament, uh, the cage match, where we pitted the films of Nicolas Cage against each other. Did we do this? We did it. Did we do, like, did, did we do that? Like, when we, did we mess up everything when we put the movies together? It could have been. <laughs> yeah, couldn't, it could have been. Maybe we shouldn't have put So that, that, that music brings back fond memories and <laughs> signifies one thing. It's time to get back into the cage. Faith and I thoroughly enjoy being in the cage. Mm -hmm. We have a programming note. If you listened to the show last week, we said that this week we were going to be doing the newest film that came out uh, in the cage filmography, Willie's Wonderland. We will be saving that for a later date. Uh, Apparently, you can't rent it for a reasonable price quite yet. (laughs) Hold on. You could could rent it one day, and then the next day it was like, nope, $20. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's not a rent price. (laughs) Yeah. We are going to get to Willie's Wonderland, but we figured we we were ready to do a cage film. Faith has been wanting to do Mom and Dad for a while, and it just felt like the right time. So let's get into it. Before we start, a word on exploitation films. I have a a definition here. An exploitation film is quickly and cheaply produced, usually features graphic content like extreme violence. I like that. Excessive gore. Do you like excessive gore, Faith? Yeah. It depends. Depends. Gratuitous sex. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Content meant to shock, disgust, or titillate. Sounds like the old David Letterman show on NBC, doesn't (laughs) it? Uh, exploitation films usually play upon trends or fears of the time. Some like night of the living dead set trends and become historically important. And there are some filmmakers out there. We're looking at you, Quentin Tarantino. They've made entire careers out of the exploitation film. So why am I giving this definition of the exploitation film before we get into mom and dad? Well, might be that mom and dad is an exploitation film. There you go. Let's uh, let's go uh, very quick synopsis. We did give one in the introduction. Parents, they're wanting to kill their kids. That's the long and short of this. We're not sure why. No. Something <laughs> is triggering something in their brain to kill 
their offspring and only their offspring, not mm-hmm. other people's kids, just their offspring. That's the long and short of it. This film centers on Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair's family and their two kids and is really about this one day. This film, for me, features elements of Night of the Living Dead and also films like The Purge. Mm -hmm. And it feels like something that would have been in a grindhouse theater back in the 70s or 80s or on very uh, late night local cable. This is like the late, late movie. And it's like a a Z-grade movie, (laughs) you know. This itself is not a Z-grade movie, but it, it does harken back to right. to a simpler time in filmmaking. Uh, does it feel like an older film to you? It does, yeah. Even the, the credits right. ha- harken back to mm-hmm. like the 70s. So it has that, that feel to it. The exploitation film is a wonderful skeleton to hang some meat on because, uh, as we just said, they're usually cheaply and quickly produced and they feature graphic content, but they, they tie in to issues of the day and you can get some real artistry out of these things mm-hmm. night of the living dead being one quentin tarantino's entire filmography <laughs> yes. being another and uh countless other films have been exploitation films that do have a lot more to say i feel like this movie has a lot more to say so let's get right into it this was your pick this week uh what do you think of mom and dad i absolutely love this movie and i've been wanting you to watch this movie like for a year now <laughs> So I'm very excited that you actually got to, you know, you watched it and we're talking about it. So I'm actually curious what you think about it. Well, I think that this is, I think this is a really wonderful picture. And I think this is the kind of picture that might uh, go by some people Mm -hmm. uh, because it's so simple. It's such a simple, it's not simplistic, it's simple in its construction. Mm -hmm. And with uh, modern movie audiences, they need everything answered. This is a movie that doesn't give you any answers whatsoever. Uh, We don't know why the parents are turning on their kids. Mm -hmm. Get a little bit maybe of an idea throughout the film that there's a tone that they're hearing through technology. We're going to hit that in just Mm -hmm. a second. But it's really about something more than that. It's this has a lot of thematic material working with it it could be in a lesser filmmaker or writer's hands this could have been very trite i feel very shocking and exploitive Mm -hmm. this actually has a lot of meat on that skeleton and i absolutely adored it i i was with this movie from the very beginning and my first thought i guess it was 15 or 20 minutes in i went oh they're doing night of the living dead and this movie is night of the living dead down to the zombie like horde Mm -hmm. that you have with the parents uh down to the young man that's in this uh robert t cunningham who plays the boyfriend um famously in night of the living dead you had a black male lead he was the hero in that which was kind of revolutionary at the time Mm -hmm. and here you have a black male lead who's (laughs) the hero not as revolutionary today but I, i feel like it was a nod back to mm-hmm. Night of the Living yeah. Dead. So a lot of like little homages back. And that's maybe the greatest exploitation film of all time. And uh, so there's homages, but it's just doing its own thing. And again, it's kind of playing on the fears of our day, mm-hmm. not not 1968 when that movie was made. Did you know anything about the movie going into it? The only thing I knew about the movie is uh, I knew two things going in. I knew that the, he was trying to kill the kids. Mm-hmm. Something was up with him. And I knew that... Uh, from what I had seen in the trailers, that he was very kind of um, 
the energy level was up with mm-hmm. him and that it was like kind of old school, you know, crazy right. Nick Cage <laughs> going back to like raising Arizona uh-huh. and things like that. So I knew that he was uh, trying again. There, there was right. like a creative thing happening with him because up to this point he had... <laughs> We made a joke about it in the introduction, but the dude was paying his back taxes and was taking anything that was coming his way. And some of those movies are not very good. This, to me, if you look at the filmography from Mom and Dad on, Mm -hmm. while there are peaks and valleys, there is more of a... um, it feels more like Nicolas Cage. I was going to say this feels like one of those those really good classic Nicolas Cage movies that you know that everyone seems to love. It feels like that with this. And Nicolas Cage himself has a lot of the exploitation mm-hmm. star in him. There's there's a there's a uniqueness to him, and he fits into this world. We're gonna get into his performance, but uh, I found this movie extremely entertaining. For one, I also found this movie extremely uh, uh, deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 there was a lot of depth here, so let's let's get into yeah. some of the depth, uh, some of the themes. I wrote down a list here. Uh, Parenting, childhood, technology, disconnect, growing older, giving up your dreams, and then finally the zombie horde. And I feel like this movie was talking about technology Mm -hmm. a little bit because when you see the beginning of this movie and you've seen the family unit comprised of uh, Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair and their kids played by Ann Winters and Zachary Arthur and they're, uh, they have their problems. They're, uh, they're not dysfunctional. I wouldn't say they're dysfunctional. They're seemingly uh seemingly set up to be the all-american family with with their problems but uh it it doesn't look like a bad place to live Mm there they seem to be doing okay and when you see them at the beginning of the movie everybody is on a device there's a tv going there's a cell phone going there's 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 devices constantly in this movie and technology the world we find ourselves in i am lucky enough blessed in some circles to be the last generation at, uh, I was the last class in my high school to not have an email address. So there you go. And it was like the year after I got out of high school, uh, I graduated in 1997. And then the next year, then AOL and dial yeah. up and all this is, is everywhere. Takes over. It takes <laughs> over. Yeah. It's the rise of the machines. <laughs> and so I remember a time when there was not this crutch. Yeah. And, and it was like such a nicer time. <laughs> In a lot of ways, yeah. yes. In a lot of ways, yeah. yes. And you see this throughout this movie, though, this disconnect, these people. And I love that uh, Mark Taylor tells some of the story through text messages, too, yeah. which I think uh, that seems to be the culprit for at least that's the device through which the means of uh, the signal that they're getting to kill their kids is coming right. through through technology, through the phones and Things well, like it seems that. like every time a parent would snap when they were near a television, it would go to a to a gray fuzzy screen right. with that sound, and it's like something kicked into their head. So it was like, okay, technology is is out. You know, something something snapped within them. <laughs> Very much. And one of the things I liked about the movie is that it didn't really give any concrete reason why. And did you need it? I, I didn't. I didn't either. Because I had enough that something was coming through mm-hmm. the television. And let's go back to Night of the Living Dead. There was a solar flare, if mm-hmm. I'm remembering my horror movie history correctly. <laughs> There's a solar flare that comes and is hitting Earth, and that's what's making the zombie horde. That's that's all you need. You, you know there's right. zombies. There's a threat in front of you. You're not worried about 
why you're worried about <laughs> surviving. This this is a movie about the survival aspect of it. And so you know something's happening. What did you think about the fact that there's a signal? The signal was hitting them and, and, and you know, driving them to Yeah, I mean kill the kids. I think well it's very interesting. <laughs> we hope you know, hopefully that doesn't actually happen in real life. But no, I think uh I I like the idea that it was through technology. Yeah. Because like you said, I feel like that makes it deeper on what it has to say. Because it I really do think I feel like we've talked about before, technology kinda has taken over. I mean <laughs> Well, really, there's an imbalance. There is. There's an imbalance. Yeah. I mean, what I liked about the signal is if you look, um, if you go into any studies of the brain, they're finding these areas of the brain that are legitimately antennas, Mm -hmm. like that we pick up things. Right. You know, uh, we receive signals with our brain, like not related to the language centers and things Mm -hmm. like that, but literal antennas. And some people have said that that's where. Uh, we might receive otherworldly messages, you know, yeah. people who who are in touch with the other world, mm-hmm. you know, other planes of existence, other beings, yeah. you know. <laughs> but there is an area of the brain that accesses that, that receives those signals. So I thought from a scientific standpoint, that was absolutely yeah. fascinating. And again, you don't have to go into too much, you know, you know, uh, reasoning why these right. things are happening. It's enough that it's happening. But I did like the the general setup of it. But I, yeah. I did like the I did like the uh, the, the technology was the uh, factor mm-hmm. that was creating this this chaos. And then I like the issues that are brought up because of this: the growing older, giving up on your dreams, the parents resenting the children. That goes to, to Greek tragedy with yeah. with, and it <laughs> it gets into this biblical thing too where. Uh, parents would sacrifice children mm-hmm. and that's what this feels like yeah. and it feels like this this great bloodletting yeah you know you see throughout history in the mythology in the bible and even again through throughout human history where there's this bloodletting the mafia i think has done this you know where they have their wars and they get you know getting rid of the bad blood kind of thing right but there's a lot of things i think that have built up and the, the parents are feeling unfulfilled and there's a great scene where selma blair's friend is saying she looks at her daughter and, you know, one day her tits are going to drop and she's happy about that. Right. You know, she's happy about it. So mortality and all that's coming into play. Right. I'd like to, well, uh, let's go back to technology for a second because I feel like it's kind of maybe a mirror of itself because you said that the movie starts off, they're all sitting there on devices. And what does that kind of show you? That they're not technically connected maybe as a family unit right. so look what the look what technology is doing is disconnecting the disconnecting, family literally yeah. by them killing literally. the children so that's, it's a, like, that's a great that's a great observation you know so maybe that's you know and it's one of the great ironies in life there there are ironies in life one of the ironies being uh victory through surrender that's something you know <laughs> yeah. um what peace through war there's a there's one for you <laughs> but the fact that this technology that we have uh, we have it literally within the palm of our hand. We are connected to the entire world. Constantly. Constant, possibly <laughs> even to, to, to worlds and things outside. You right, know? yeah. Uh, but we have the opportunity to be connected in ways that we never dreamed possible 25 years ago. Let's just go 25. And we're not. It's, it's very strange because <laughs> we're even more isolated in a lot of ways Literally staying home mm-hmm. and 
you're connecting with people through this device. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with keeping up nah. with people that way. There's nothing there's nothing wrong when there's balance. Right. And but you're staying in and especially this past year, you know, a lot of people have been staying in obviously. And but it's also the disconnect within yourself. It creates this disconnect. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of falsehoods Exactly. On, on the interwebs, exactly. uh, social media, mm-hmm. I'm looking at you. Because how many, and I want you all out there listening to think about this. I I don't have social media anymore, but I was definitely guilty of this. You do want to present your best face when you're on social media, and you might present something that's a little less than truthful. Right. Right. And so here we have this picture of this family that looks nice. It should be nice, and there's it's not. It's not. The parents are a little jealous of the kids. Yep. The kids, I think, are a little resentful of the parents, too. And uh, there's not a lot of communication and understanding or unity in this group, mm-hmm. even though there's si- literal signs on the wall that say, you know, they live and love <laughs> and forgive, uh-huh. you know. So very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff. And then the zombie horde. I mean, that's an easy one. You see these the, these people outside the gate, the parents outside the gate, and it's like a zombie horde. And and if you look, how many times have you been walking down the street or uh, let's, let's go back, not walking down the street. You're in your car and you see you people, going? you see people on their phones. They're, they're not, people are not living in the moment. There are a lot mm-hmm. of zombies out there walking. Non-playable characters is what some people call them, like in a video game, right. you know? And uh, I, I think this movie addresses all of that I very so. beautifully and simply. Mm-hmm. It, it, and again, it's this quickly and cheaply made film that's not this A-list picture. Right. You know, so I I really like what it's doing. I really like what it's doing. I like who's doing it, too. Right. We're going to save the star. <laughs> save him for last. We have to. Let's save him for last. Uh, let's start with the mom here. Uh, Selma Blair has been around for a long time now. Selma Blair is an actress who I do not dislike her. I've never gravitated towards her. She's been very good in several things. The People versus O.J. Simpson being one where she played Kris Jenner. If you haven't seen her play Kris Jenner, if you don't like Kris Jenner, then you're going to love what Selma Blair is doing with her in The People versus O.J. Simpson. And it's almost in a way she was born to play that character. I remember when that was announced that she was playing her, I went, Oh, they couldn't have gotten anybody better. I still haven't her. seen that. It's I, that's I, an amazing it's it. an amazing work. That's one we really need to get to on the show. Mm-hmm. And it's something uh, what I love about the people versus OJ Simpson to go down that side road for a moment is it's it, it's it's a great legal thriller. Mm-hmm. It's a great look back at that time in history. It's funny. There's a lot of funniness in that, but it always comes back to the fact that two people died. Whether or not you think he did it, he did it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But wonderful performance, isn't that? But she's she's not in it much, but she's very, very, very good. I really do need to see it. Maybe yeah. We're going to have to do it on the show, so I really have to you yeah. know, have an excuse to watch it. That was, that was one of the last television series where I was like every week I was sitting there actually watching, watching it, it on television. Yeah, and she's really wonderful in it. But um, she's done solid work in television and film. And uh, again, I don't dislike her. I've never gravitated towards her. Um, I absolutely loved her in this. And taking a step back from the film, I don't know who else they would have gotten to play this this role. Mm-hmm. Because the things that I don't like about her uh, as a performer, right. 
seem it's all working for her in this movie, yeah. you know, because she seems disconnected. She does. Like we said. And, but and she also seems like she cares, too. She does. And it's not an over the top performance. I don't feel like they're trying to match Cage's performance necessarily. So it works side, you know, on the side, like it's perfect, a perfect fit because it's not two people just being, you know, over the top or. Which I don't think he's really being. It's it's yeah it's it, they're a really wonderful team you know. In a lot of ways, kind of reminds me, idea wise, uh, to 1977 Star Wars, where you have Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, and they both know mm-hmm. which side of the box they can play in. So these two really know what side of the box they're exactly. playing in, and and you you nail that she's not trying to match no. him, even when she's crazy. No, it's, it's a different it, kind it of crazy. It still feels normal. If I, if that's, yeah. like it does it like I said, does it feel like she's put on this dramatic show or anything? Yeah. So I really, I really enjoyed it because she's like you said, she's usually not my favorite or go-to actress, and you know, I really liked her here though. She was great. She was great here. She had some really great scenes in this movie. One of them being when her sister has a baby, which I thought was one of the best scenes in this film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her sister, uh, spoiler if you haven't seen the movie, uh, her sister has a baby, and. She gets the signal mm-hmm. and immediately starts trying to murder this child who's not even a minute old. Yeah. And it was one of the most harrowing things I've ever seen in a film. It really, like, I, I was legitimately on I the edge of my about seat. about it, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, like legitimate tension, legitimate horror. Mm-hmm. I, was, I did not want anything bad to happen to that kid. And her trying, what was beautiful about the scene is she gets the baby, and you can see the relief on her face. And then this woman just keeps coming after her, her sister. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really great. And she was holding on to the baby. And I, and what I like about the scene narratively, what it's doing, she's holding on to this baby. So you know that she's not this awful person. She saved this kid. And then 20 minutes later, she's going to be trying to kill her kids in the most heinous way right. possible. And I really liked that about her mm-hmm. performance. And I thought she did a great job of playing. Uh, disillusioned is not the word, but somebody who's out of the game and wants back into the game and is not really ready to watch her life pass her by yet. Right. And, you know, she's at this weird stage in her life where the kids are getting older, mm-hmm. you know. And and again, those if those things don't work, them trying to kill the kids doesn't work. The, the thematic way. Exactly. If there's no thematic material behind that, then it's just crazy trying to murder. Exactly. And it turns into a cartoon. Right. And it is kind of a cartoon in a lot of ways, but it's just then it's just a cartoon with nothing, nothing happening under mm-hmm. the surface. So I, I really liked her performance. Thank I, you. I really, really did. And I think she was the biggest surprise mm-hmm. for me in this. Yeah, for sure. I really like the performance of Ann Winters as their daughter, because I feel like this is really her movie. Yeah. And, and she's kind of you're following her throughout this day. And. You're really seeing the relationships off of her. She's kind of the linchpin mm-hmm. with the relationships. What did you think of Ann Winters? Because that's a role that really could have killed this movie. Agreed. No, I really liked her because she could have been that kind of... I feel like she has a, some moments of maybe being the typical movie teen, slightly. But she still feels real in moments. So I, I really enjoyed her. I, I enjoyed both of them, both of the kids. And... This isn't a slasher movie per se, but if this were a typical slasher movie, she would be the final girl 
And I feel like as a final girl, she gets high marks because she's not stupid. I was not yelling at the screen saying, why are you doing that? Don't No, She she has some moxie, as they say. (laughs) I thought she was really wonderful. Uh, Zachary Arthur uh, plays her brother in this. And uh, another I thought he was really great. Uh, He had some really he had some great moments with Nicolas Cage, which I thought was, was really wonderful. And uh, and as far as kids go, he didn't annoy me, mm-hmm. yeah, because that's again these two roles. It's very easy to to cast them poorly, right. and for them to take you out of the movie. They were wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they felt just as strong, you know, as performances as, as Nicolas Cage and someone yeah. player. I mean, Robert T. Cunningham plays Damon, who is Ann Winter's boyfriend in the film. I love what they did with the film because he's black, and she thinks they have a problem with him because he's black. <laughs> They don't have a problem with him because he's black. They have a problem with him because he's a year older than her and right. she's a sophomore and he's and a he's junior. And he's a boy, pretty much. And he's a boy. And he's a boy. Yeah. I really like this young man That'd in this cute. movie. I thought I thought this performance was just really right down the middle. It's almost such a shame he spent so much time on the floor <laughs> knocked down. It, it, yes. But yes, it is. what we did get of him, I really did like him. And again, I, I think his casting here... Is a wonderful callback to Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, he's resourceful. He's kind. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you he feels could, real. He feels real. Yeah. And he's involved in one of my other favorite scenes in this film, where his father attacks him and he falls on this broken bottle, which I thought was just a, another well done, horrific scene. Yes. And his reactions in that moment felt very real. I know. Felt very real, and. Uh, he and Ann Winters both kind of figure out what's going on uh, to the degree that they can figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. And so I felt very comfortable when he was on screen because at least he had an idea right. of what was going on and, and all that. I'll tell you this. Uh, that was vicious. The slap that Nicholas Cage. Oh, gave I know him. that was, I felt that <laughs> I that did was too. vicious. I mean, and it knocked him out for a couple hours too. <laughs> Probably gave him a concussion. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't really address that. Um, also, uh, he's not in it much, but Lance Henriksen, uh, who was in uh, the last film that we did, Aliens, he played Bishop in Aliens, mm-hmm. and he's been in uh, The Terminator and a whole bunch of other films. He's always awesome. Uh, Lance Henriksen shows up as Nicolas Cage's dad. Now, it's really of funny. I want to go back to Aliens. There was a scene in Aliens where it's a close-up of Lance Henriksen, and when he turned around, I, and I swear, I didn't know he was in this movie. And I thought, oh, he kind of looks like Cage right there. There was a there was a Cage esque quality uh-huh. to him, and here they cast him as his father. So and so, yeah. And I thought he was great. he was really funny. He, he was. was really funny and scary. Yeah. But but, but in the movie's a cartoon when he comes in, mm-hmm. and he's just another wonderful addition. I love that moment when it's like, okay, you you think okay. These two are just trying to kill their kids, and then okay, the grandparents show up, and it's like this chase. It, it, the it, three of you it's know, a, it's a whole other the level. Three at guys that point. running around. Yeah, the house, like oh my gosh. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's really good. It's I really know. good. All right, here we go. Speaking of really good, let's get into it. The Cage Factor. Nicholas Cage, Nicholas Kim Coppola. He 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 brings something to life into films. It is indefinable. I will say this at the start. Am I biased? Yes, I think Nicholas Cage is maybe. And I mean this sincerely, one of the greatest artists who's ever worked in the medium of motion pictures. I, agree. I, I think that highly of him. And I'm not being funny. Nope. I'm not being ironic when I say that. I have said it on this show before. Nicolas Cage, when Nicolas Cage is on, 
and Nicolas Cage has good material, and it doesn't matter if the material is good or not. Nicolas Cage shows up like a jazz musician, and he's going to play. He's going to play what we call the head, which is the melody of the tune. He's going to give you what's there, but he's also going to embellish that a little bit, and he's going to give you. He's going to take you to places that you might not know were even there right. or even possible to go to. And what I love about him, and I think it is, it, it, it's misunderstood about him in popular culture. Popular culture always misunderstands things, right? <laughs> they exaggerate things. Um, what he does is not flying by the seat of his pants. I believe that there is a good reason for everything that he does in a film. I feel like he makes choices. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there's not spontaneous moments in his performances. What I'm saying is he knows where he's at. He knows where that line is, yep. and he's walking. He's like a tightrope walker, and nothing is... Nothing is done by by chance, right? And I really I, I I mean this. I think he's the greatest artist that's ever worked in motion pictures. You can keep all of those method actors, all the all that stuff. This it, I, it I is agree. always way more entertaining to watch a bad Nicolas Cage movie than it is to watch like for me a great Meryl Streep movie or something like that. Where I can true. see I can see the strings with Meryl Streep so all the true. time. So we're both very biased towards Cage, and we <laughs> love him. What did you think of Nicolas Cage in? Mom and Dad, which, as we said, was kind of a critical starting this critical comeback, mm-hmm. which he seems to be on. Yeah. Oh, he's he's incredible here. I like the I like the way he's playing this normal dad. And then you kind of get this deeper side of him later when he's really emotional. And then you get the crazy cage that I feel like you kind of expect watching a cage movie. But again, it's not like completely over the top. It's no. not crazy like it's just that's him and it works it's not it's not the cage rage at the end of mandy you know something like mandy where he's where he's on the killing spree it's uh you you nailed it it's kind of three performances it's the dad Mm -hmm. it's the guy whose life is passing by and Mm -hmm. and maybe the best scene in the movie and the reason this movie is a lot deeper than it Mm-hmm. You know, might come off from trailers, the scene between Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair where they're talking about who they used to be and who they are now, and they're just mom and dad. Right. And he's really wonderful in that scene. He really is. And he's not fake. You no. Know, it's, yeah. it's not false. Right. And it's not like, what is, you know, like you're not asking yourself what is going on here. Like, what did he, why did he decide to be like this? No, it's it feels very, we keep saying real, but that's what it feels like. I mean, it's not crazy. Physically, he's he's uh, heavier here. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he's not fat or obese, but he's paunchy. Yeah. In this, you see in his face and mm-hmm. and, and in in his uh, his waist, mm-hmm. and he he he's dad. He yeah. he's dad, <laughs> and I like that they don't play low hanging fruit mm-hmm. with him. He's not playing low hanging fruit. I like his relationship with his son. I like how fun he is with the son. And you see him as kind of a big kid in a way, too. And, mm-hmm. and he's got a few of those funny cage deliveries, you know, but yes. it's not played for a laugh. He's right. playing this guy. And this is the guy who goes to work and sleeps, you know, and it feels like at that moment he's having a legit breakdown. Like, right. You know what I mean, like he like you said, he goes to work, he comes home, he's like, that's it. And then he's having this moment where he's realizing 
he's maybe not that happy, you know, and it feels like a real right. breakdown. And he, and he feels like a guy who you see him a little more with the son than with the daughter, but with the son, it seems like he's got a pretty decent relationship with mm-hmm. his son. He's out there drinking the beer with him and talking to him and, and they're having their, you know, they're having a laugh and he seems to at least be trying to connect with the daughter. Right. You know, but he doesn't seem like a bad guy. And then, but yes, then the cartoon quality of his performances comes through right at the end. And that Raising Arizona Cage is back, you know, and it's, and it's always such a treat to see that. Oh, yeah. Energetic, energetic Cage is always great. He felt like the coyote or something, you know, from yep. the Roadrunner yeah. cartoons at the end. And uh, they were both pretty scary. I think the, I legitimately, I think that the defining image of this movie is right towards the end when um, when the gas has exploded. They've mm-hmm. been putting gas down into the basement, and he opens the door, and the match is light, and he gets blown back, but he shows back up in the next scene. He's 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 kind of burned, you know, kind of <laughs> beaten and bloodied, but he's got Fruit Loops stuck to his face, <laughs> and I really think that is the defining image of this yep. whole thing. I thought that's, the same thing. That's I was like, there it is, right there. And that's, I thought too. Of course, there's fire in this movie. <laughs> Everything is on fire. Yeah, everything. It's a Nick Cage movie, but he doesn't whisper too much in this. No, not, yeah, too much. not a lot of whispering. A lot of screaming. A lot of screaming. Not not a lot of not a lot of whispering. He and Selma Blair work really well together. I like I like this pairing a lot. Mm-hmm. I like his pairing with uh, this whole cast. Uh, I like that they 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 keep him out of that first act a little bit. He's mm-hmm. he's in the beginning of the movie, and then you pick up with him about thirty minutes in, and then then really the last half of this movie, right. he's he's really there and really present. And uh, but it's all to add to the tension and drama. And exactly. Add to the story. I would like to pull a category from our cage match episodes. Yes. What did you think of his hair here? Oh, it looked like a bird had landed up <laughs> right. there and just nested. Uh, okay, I'm making sure it wasn't the only one who thought that. <laughs> looked like a bird had gotten up there. Uh, I guess maybe when he was filming this movie, it was not the week that he was going to the hair clinic. <laughs> no, I had to work. Couldn't go. Couldn't go. Couldn't do it. <laughs> He was he was really wonderful in this. Uh, he was. It's it's again the way that this movie kind of plays out. I don't know who else could have played that role. I, I you say I, that you say that about him a lot. You know when you because he just comes in and he owns because things. He's so original and such an individual. And really, who 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 can replace his that performance that he, you know that he always brings? Right, right. especially when he's engaged right. in something like this. Yeah. I think it's really wonderful too. We didn't talk about this because he was in Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance that Mark Taylor uh, wrote. And I don't know if he wrote that, but definitely directed it. And uh, I think it's nice that they had this return engagement that mm-hmm. they thought highly enough of each other to you right. know, pair back up. And I hope they do something else again, so too, too, because there are certain directors who get really good work out of him. And I, I remember I think we both really enjoyed Spirit of Vengeance. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed it a lot more than we did the first Ghost Rider film and I think we, if I'm remembering correctly, we enjoyed Cage in the second film quite a bit. Yeah, was, I believe so. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot. He's always, it's always a lot of fun to watch him. I know. And you don't know what you're going to get necessarily, you know, going into each movie. So it's exciting. Part of the fun. Yeah, it's part of it's the really, fun. It's really part of the fun. But I think, I think he's completely original. I think this is a wonderful performance. I think this is a really great movie. Mm-hmm. I think this movie uh, deserves to be seen. It needs to be seen more. As of the time of this recording, it is available on Hulu. You can, of course, rent it digitally anywhere. But it is available on Hulu if you have a subscription. And I highly recommend watching it. It's about 90 minutes long. And it's 90 minutes that you will not regret spending in this world. It's just so 
very interesting and just I, I think this really works well as a horror movie. It really I think, so. I think falls under the zombie uh you know Night of the Living Dead type type thing. It's mm-hmm. definitely a take on on George Romero's world. I mean that's a, the suspense and like the survival elements of it. That's I mean I think that's a pretty horrific thing, you know? I mean Totally. I was um I was also thinking about Return of the Living Dead, which mm-hmm. is a movie that we did, and that's a zombie film that has a lot of great humor in it. Yes. This movie does have a lot of humor in it, too, mm-hmm. and it's it's just really wonderfully done, and uh, I feel like it's not taking itself too seriously, right? but it's got a lot of serious things to say, mm-hmm. and I always appreciate that with a film. Me too. And uh, I think this really nails it. Nails it from the tone, you know, from the beginning all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Uh Let's talk about the end. Uh, the end is is kind of a point of controversy with a lot of people because it ends in a mid-sentence. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the ending? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like I wanted more, but I honestly don't know what we would have gotten. I like it because at that point, the parents have become the kids. It's, it's yeah. an exact replay of the beginning, and... For me, it ties in with the movie. We're not exactly sure what's going on. So, of course, it was going to end on this kind of ambiguous ambiguous note. Because I don't know how you end this. That's what I said. I don't know where it would have gone from there. I don't know how you end it. I was was kind of like, oh, okay. And then I I went, that's fine. fine." Maybe maybe they snapped back into it. You know, being... Again, we live in we live in this time where we have to explain everything. It seems, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you have like a mythology, like a Batman or something, you have to explain every little bit about how he got, you know, this piece of the suit or whatever. And it's like right. here, I don't need to know this. Mm-mm. I don't need to know it. No. I know that this is going on, but uh, I, as far as I, again, I don't know how you end the movie. Right. That to me just seemed. And that's okay. Seemed yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I loved it. I really liked it. I'm glad finally got around to watch it. I'm glad you watched it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great. So uh, really looking forward to Willie's Wonderland. We're going to, you know, we'll get to it at a later date. Yes. <laughs> we promise. So, well, we're going to take a very short break. This is a news break, so be sure to stay tuned for all of the fake news not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we'll see you on the other side. a 90s-themed coffee house just opened in Cozy Corner. The inside decor is exactly like the iconic Central Perk featured on the classic NBC sitcom Friends and even features a waitress named Rachel and a pathological loser named Ross who really, really wants to get with her. If you see either of them while you're at Cafe 90s, feel free to slap them upside the head for me. Me as well. Summer is soon upon us, and you know what that means. Snow cones. The Cozy Corner Department of Health wants us to remind you that snow cones will indeed turn your poop every color of the rainbow, so don't be alarmed when you look in the bowl after your morning deuce. Speaking of deuce, 
Cozy Corner police are still looking for the man who stopped up the toilet at the Cozy Corner Museum of Modern Art. While what came running out of the bathroom did indeed look like a Pollock, it almost soiled a Rothko. If you have any information on the mystery pooper, please contact Sergeant Frank Monday with the Cozy Corner Police. And finally, this just in, I am shocked we have a museum of modern art in Cozy Corner. That is the news. Stay tuned for our final scores in a preview of next week's show. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF, Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. Faith, I think this is going to be very easy to score this. I we had so. two categories tonight, overall film and the cage factor. I went four in I, both categories. I also went four in both categories. So there it is, a perfect four for mom and dad. Faith and I both highly recommend that you watch this movie if you have not seen it. And if it's been a while... Go ahead and watch it again. Yes. Really great. Do a double feature of this with Night of the Living Dead. I think you'll be surprised mm-hmm. at uh, the similarities. Really wonderful, especially like the kids are in the basement and they're in the house with the zombies coming in and Night of the Living Dead. So a lot of similarities. Very loving homage. Yes. Very absolutely. loving. Didn't feel like a ripoff. Yeah. Loving homage. So uh, we are going to get to Willie's Wonderland. But uh, April's going to be a little different for us here. So here's a programming note. We're going to have two shows. Our show is going to be every other week in April. So here we go. The next show in two weeks. Well, it's not going to be Willie's Wonderland. (laughs) Unfortunately. (laughs) Unfortunately. But Faith, what are we doing in two weeks? We are doing X-Files Fight the Future. From 1998, the first feature-length film featuring Mulder and Scully. It's a great sci-fi slash horror film. It's got some horrific elements in it. And the movie takes place between the fifth and sixth seasons of the show, but that doesn't matter. You can watch this and you'll know what's going on. Yep. So X-Files fight the future in two weeks. And two weeks after that, Willie's Wonderland. (laughs) We hope. (laughs) We hope. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for letting us drone on a little bit in your ears for about an hour. Talking about movies is fun. It's even more fun to do it with a friend. Call up a friend, talk about movies, or better yet, do it in person. There you go. Some people, not going to name names, are trying to keep us all apart in these trying times. We don't We don't subscribe to that here no. on a Late Night Fright. So get together with some friends, watch a movie talk about it afterwards stay happy stay healthy stay safe take your vitamins there you go does it feel like it's that time Faith? it does it feels like it's that time before we go whenever you get the opportunity get into the cage and don't get out just just love the cage <laughs> just love the cage it's good for you right Faith? it's good for you all right It has been a privilege and a pleasure as always, but it does feel like it's time to go. So let's see if we snap our fingers if the magic happens. On three, Faith. One, two, three. I swear it's magic and not editing. Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Thank you all again for tuning in. X-Files Fight the Future from 1998 in two weeks. 
be here or not. It's it's your choice. <laughs> I'd rather you be here, though. I'd rather you be here. We like having you here. Take us home, Faith. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on, on a leash. leash. We'll see you next time.